You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Yum, yum. Just give it to me. I just want, <laughs> yeah. I just want to shovel it in my mouth <laughs> yeah. and enjoy it as much as possible. Really? Hey, yo. And Maddie Rose. Uh, alarm balls or, or alarm bells or just a, a blip on the radar here for the Cowboys? On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. At the bottom of the hour, Mr. Frank Cervalli. Get his uh, thoughts on the Calgary Flames' recent roadie, where they went uh, 0-1-1 and and could have won all three games, actually. But they didn't. Losing 3-2 to Nishido last night uh, will be all over that game. Our big show Flames analyst, Mr. Frank Cron, at the top of the next hour. At 8.30, the second edition of Flames Hot Seat, where uh, myself, Maddie, and um, the Cobra, Brent Cron, will try hot sauces. But the progressively hotter flames take, the hotter sauce we're going to eat and then try to talk about it as we've just ingested the hot sauce. Uh, we want to hear from you at 960-960, name and location, day 10 of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of Wild Rose Brewery. Give us a nuclear hot take that we're going to use at the end of Flames Hot Seat. And if we pick yours, you get to open the on-air advent calendar. We'll do that around 820-ish. Cron will get to pick the nuclear hot take. 960, 960, name and location. But right now, we're giving away wrestling tickets. Patrick asked the question in the 6 a.m. hour because we love our 6 a.m. listeners. Patrick, what was the question and who wins the tickets? I was asking you in 2020 in AEW during a uh, false Count Anywhere match taking place at the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this wrestler was hit by a golf cart. Who was it and who hit mm. the said wrestler in the golf cart? Uh we got Cole is our winner. Uh, Cole is our winner. And he guessed that Sammy Guevara was hit by the golf cart and that Matt Hardy was driving said golf cart. Oh, okay. Awesome. Congratulations, Cole. You're going to watch some AEW wrestling in July during Stampede down at the Scotiabank side of them. You can get tickets today, right? Pre-sale? Yeah. Uh, pre-sale is still on. Like, they're still till 10 a.m. They go on sale to the public at 10 a.m., but the pre-sale code is AEWCS. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, Frank Cervalli joining us in about 50 minutes. Uh, Flames lose 3-2 last night in a shootout. And uh, I noticed somebody on the ice for the first time in I don't know how many games. Like, it's been a while since I've noticed this player. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've noticed this player. Um, I thought Dylan Dubé actually had an influence on the game last night for the Mm. first time in a long time. I thought he showed some. I thought he used his speed on the fourth line, created a couple opportunities. Not so much in the third period, but in the first couple periods, I'm like, hey, there's there's Dylan Dubé. He's playing well tonight. I actually noticed him on the ice last night for the first time in a while. Did you feel the same thing? Yeah, I, I also noticed his absence early on. Like I, I I thought it was what early on in the first period, maybe in the second period, that he just kind of, or, or late in the first, where the lines were in a blender. And I wasn't sure if it was a gear problem or, or something like that, but... He was missing for a little while, and the lines were in a blender, but I didn't see any egregious turnover. Oh, yeah, it was right here in the middle of the first period after they had already gone down. It felt like Dubé was missing. But after that, he comes back. He's skating around. I, I thought that fourth line played relatively well in the end. You know, they, they, they don't find the back of the score sheet, but that's a group who I thought Greer had one of his more impactful games in recent games, too. Um you know, Adam Rosicka continues to be one of the more frustrating players on the roster for sure. But yeah, yesterday was one of those games where he was noticeable. And and I think in a game like that, where we've talked about the size of 
Minnesota and the strength of Minnesota. Doobie's not the biggest guy, but he does have some strength. He has some speed. You need him to kind of be a factor and, and kind of be the one guy who, you know, he's not going to be blowing guys up, but has to have a little bit of pushback against some of the physical play. So, um, yeah, he, he did what was asked of him last night. And I, I think that we're just kind of seeing this guy develop into, you know, a very strong fourth-line player in the NHL. You know, a guy who kills penalties for you, doesn't make defensive mistakes. He's very responsible in his own end. But to ask for, you know, 20 goals at this point, I, I feel like it's not not a necessarily what we should be asking of the player. We, we did see him uh, reunited with the DNA line, I believe, in Denver. For a little bit, for moments, yeah, yeah, and I and I thought that line was okay, but I thought last night, like by himself, playing on that fourth line, I thought he was trying to drive some play, which was nice to see because the fourth line's kind of been, you know, hit or miss this season. Although AJ Greer's probably been the best, most consistent player on that line, but we don't really see a ton of the fourth line the way Ryan Husko runs the bench, and that's especially if it's a close game. Yeah, and that's something you've talked about. He he plays the players that are going and kind of takes away the ice time from the ones who aren't, and that's what he's in the business of doing, trying to win hockey games for the Calgary Flames. But at least I saw and noticed Dylan Dubé do some stuff for the Calgary Flames last like night. He was out there. He, he had the lowest ice time of any player on the Flames roster yesterday. He skated 8-19. He had three shots on net, but that's... I. It's one of those things, right? If he's on the fourth line, just try and keep your head above water. Just yep. don't get caved in. And lately over this road trip, there's been a few instances where that third pair with DeSimone and Gilbert have been stuck running around. It usually hasn't been with the fourth line out there, but there's been a couple of instances. And I think that's what you got to ask of them right now. You know, you look at the rest of the roster and I don't see a spot that I would put him in the top nine. And I, like we've talked about, I don't know if there's a whole lot more offensive upside to the player. So if he's going to be a, a fourth liner, that's okay. But that also means that the contract has to reflect it. And obviously this is a guy who's an RFA at the end of the year. He's on pace for arguably his worst point total that he's had since he became a pro. He's got, seven points through a third of the season on pace for 21. The last time he had less than that was 16 games and 16 points in 45 games, his second year in the NHL. So as far as playing a full year, 32 and 45 points of two full years he's had in the NHL, he's on pace for his worst offensive year. Can he get back to having a little bit more offense? Sure, but I don't know how. And I don't know if you force him into the top nine to get it. And, and I think that's something that um, Flames and their fans kind of were relying on him and Manjapani to add more offensively to this team, especially heading into last season. And it just, quite frankly, hasn't been the case. Like, flashes for Dylan Dubé last season, but again, him and Manjapani just not producing enough for the Calgary Flames, just not scoring enough goals, but at least that last night, in my opinion, especially first through the first two periods, positive step in the right direction, using his speed, because the guy can skate. He needs yeah. to do a lot oh, more yeah. of that. Use your speed if you're Dylan Dubé. Did you see the amount of ice time Elias Lindholm played last night? How much do you think Elias Lindholm played without looking? Um, Well, he was going yesterday. I'm going to say 23. Uh, GVP, do you know the answer? Uh, I know it was high, wasn't it? But I yeah. might be guess. I think it was around like 28 minutes, wasn't it? He played almost 25 minutes last night. 
24-56 for Elias Lindholm. You know who was the second most flame forward who played the most last night? Sharagovich? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he played 21-35 last night. He was out for the top power play, right? First power play unit, second penalty kill unit, and the Flames had to kill their fair share of penalties yesterday too, so you get a little bit of a bump there. But on top of that, like Sharon Govich and Lindholm are actually really starting to show some chemistry together. We saw Lindholm smile quite big as he gave Lindholm a big hug after that first goal that they scored. Then he goes out, he makes a couple great plays on the PK, and he helps Coleman with that second goal as well. So, yeah, if, if he's going right now, Ride him, right? Yeah. This is a guy who, even back in New Jersey, he was known to get red hot for moments at, in, in time and, and months at a time playing alongside Jack Hughes, right? And and that's another very skilled player who's got a lot of talent. And if you can kind of manage and learn how to play with those guys, this guy's the ceiling I, for I, I think the most eye-popping ice time last night, it wasn't the uh, 24-56 that Elias Lindholm played. Sure. It was the 1825 Jordan Osterley played last night. He's up there, man. Yeah, and the 2739 by Rasmus Anderson. Get used to it, four. Just tap your shoulder. You're on pretty much every other shift. That's yeah. what we're doing for you. Uh, Nick DeSimone played 1137, but Osterley, 1825 last night in a game, and we talked about it to kick off the show. Flames, you know, pick up two points on this roadie. Could have had three, could have had four, maybe even six points. But again, the effort is there for the Calgary Flames. It absolutely is. And playing, you know, the two time the, the last two teams who won Stanley Cups and a team that has been scorching hot since saying goodbye to their head coach, those are good efforts for the Calgary Flames. And Saturday's gonna be super interesting uh with Tampa Bay in town after having that shootout last night in Edmonton. Uh goals of plenty in Edmonton between the Lightning and the Oilers. Don't look now. Nikita Kucherov leading the NHL in points. He'll be here Saturday. It's gonna be an interesting matchup. Do we see Markstrom? Maybe practicing with the Wranglers. I wouldn't be shocked. It feels Jacob like he Markstrom. returns this homestand. I don't know if yeah. it's this next game, but it does feel like he's going to be uh, back soon. Because they're playing both Florida teams, Tampa Saturday, and then at home to the Panthers on Monday. Panthers kind of struggling all of a sudden. Uh, got whipped in Seattle by the Kraken and then got beat up last night in Vancouver by the Canucks. All right, um, straight ahead. Frank Cervalli is going to join us. I want to ask him. Yeah. Elias Lindholm had a great game last night. And, Maddie, you're right about the chemistry he's building with Yegor Sharangovich. But how much money potentially is Elias Lindholm costing himself right now with this slow start to the season? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's something we talked about heading into the year. $9 million player, $9.5 million player, at least eight, eight and a half. What would the price tag be for Elias Lindholm right now on the open market? We'll ask Frank Saravalli that question. And also, yes. Big Show Flames analyst, Mr. Brent Cron, in studio at 8 o'clock, and we'll play Flames Hot Seat for the second time at 8.30. It's all straight ahead. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Our Big Show Flames analyst, Mr. Brent Cron, the Cobra, in studio. Uh, we're playing Flames Hot Seat for the second time at 8.30. Uh, where Maddie, myself, and Croner will try really hot sauces and talk about really hot flames takes. we got to do this next time the next guest comes into town. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we're also taking your text messages for the 10th day of our Wild Rose Brewery, 12 Days of Christmas. Send us a nuclear hot flames take, and if we use it in uh, Flames Hot Seat, you, you get to open the on-air advent calendar, and we'll do that in about uh, less than an hour. 
Right now on the line, NHL Insider for Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Mr. Frank Serfali. Hello, sir. How are you? Pretty good. Not a big hot sauce guy. No? Yeah, me, like, perfect. No, I like it, but I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not signing up to do that. Like, if you were in studio, you wouldn't want to play hot seat with us? I think it'd be great. I already did this on an NHL awards show and ate Nashville hot chicken. Yeah, I remember that. Milk. (laughs) And you, I'm good on that. It's a once in a lifetime thing. When you get, when you get sprayed with a Gatorade bottle of milk from, uh, from Biz, yeah, live on international television, and you just take it like an absolute champ. Yep. Then uh, I don't think you you're good. You don't want to do that again. Um, how hot was that Nashville hot chicken? It was pretty hot. Yeah. Like it. Like they they told they warned me ahead of time. They're like, just so you know, we're trying to get you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I like it. Um, how concerned are you about the Philadelphia Eagles right now? Um, mildly concerned, I would say. If okay. We're talking in hot sauce ratings. Like, yeah. Their defense is certainly really what is scaring me because they can't get a stop. Yeah. And when you can't get a stop, you you can't get the pass rush going. You, like that's how their defense is designed. It's designed to play with a lead, and it's not working. How disappointing has been Kevin Byard? I thought that was going to be a great move by the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts has been way more disappointing. Oh, okay. All right. You don't like David Carr's take that uh, Marcus Mariota should start? <laughs> that was insane. Yeah, that is insane. <laughs> did any, did he did he not watch him last year <laughs> with the Falcons? Or yeah. did he miss the whole quarterback thing? Yeah, I know. Um, Eagles, big game uh, against the uh, Seahawks uh, this week on Monday Night Football. Should be a lot of fun. Um, is there anything better than watching a scorpion save in a shootout than what Dan Vladar did last night? <laughs> <clears throat> you made me laugh so hard I coughed. All right. Um, <laughs> I am a jokester, Frank. I'm such a jokester. That was pretty awesome. You're welcome. The, I mean, the Scorpion was legit. Like it, mm-hmm. I it, I felt like he had some room to maybe kind of, it, it kind of felt like as athletic as that was, it was almost like the lazy man save. Like it was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not getting up. I'm just going <laughs> to lift my other leg up. Yep. Which, like, as as a dad, I can fully appreciate every part of that. <laughs> uh, we are continuing to watch this team, and there's a lot of questions. Like, one of the things about this recent road trip is they played really well, and that was with having Chris Tanev for all of 15 seconds. So now the questions continue about, hey, what is the uh, plan going to be with this team after the holiday freeze and everything like that? Do you, Do you have any feelings on where the team is kind of pointing right now because it still feels like this has been a, a lot of, you know, assess, taking all the information we can right now, we'll figure out the rest after the holidays since we got past the, the Zadorov situation. Yeah, I think when you watch this team and how this has developed, sort of as well as the eye test has been and as well as they've played, and like last night I thought was another great example, um... They haven't really, they haven't made up any ground. Like they've allowed the Oilers to come back and, and catch them as they tried to set a franchise record or tie a franchise record last night for wins in a row. And you look at the way the division is shaping up and frankly, the playoff race in general, 
the wild, a, a team that they played neck and neck last night, like the wild are right there now too. Um, so not only have they really not made up a lot of ground, they've also seeded ground as well in the playoff race. And then you add in the injury to Tanev, how the results to this point don't indicate a lot different. Like meaning it's not like they're getting their doors blown off without him. That, that kind of lends me to continue along the same line that I've been thinking for the last few weeks, which is, I think this team needs to, to do everything they can to, to move out pieces as we get closer to the deadline. I, I don't think there's going to be significant traction or movement before the trade freeze sets in five days from now and no reason to try and wedge one in, but like, it feels like changes are coming. We've been talking uh, during the summer, you know, what's the price tag for Elias Lindholm if he hit the open market? You know, eight and a half, nine million, maybe nine and a half million dollars. With his disappointing season so far, outside of last night's game where he was excellent and played a ton, how much money has maybe Elias Lindholm cost himself? He was, a, he was here? an absolute, ch- he was a champ in the faceoff. He was, he was too. great. And Especially in the third period. How much money is he costing himself right now, Frank? Is he a nine million dollar player still? No, I, I don't think he is. Um, I, I think he certainly is costing himself a bit of money, but not. it's not an overwhelming amount because, you know, you can look at the production and it is what it is. Um, but in terms of the other ways that he impacts the game, I mean, those are still abundantly obvious. And last night, as mentioned, is a great example. Um, I, I think he's probably settling somewhere around eight. Um, when it's all said and done high sevens, eight. And I think the big question is when it comes to the Calgary flames, how do they feel about that number? How do they feel about where the team is heading? And more than that, would does Lindholm believe that he has an authentic chance to win here? I think that's, that's the 24, 64, $80 million question. Does, uh, does Lindholm to the Bruins just make so much damn sense? I mean, it has since Patrice Bergeron turned in his retirement papers, shortly followed thereafter by David Krejci. What about the Avalanche with some questions about Ryan Johansson in their two-hole? Yeah, not not so much from a – I mean, they could make it work from a cap perspective, but it'd be hard to wedge in, and the, the Flames would have to be retaining, and I think there's a lot of things that would have to go into that. Frank Cervalli, uh, NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, courtesy of our friends at South Trail um, Exports. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, the whole Jordan Cairo thing, did you see the clip last night? I did. And what are your thoughts on that? I didn't realize St. Louis Blues fans were so up on social media. Yeah, <laughs> they that, are. That was the most that was surprising actually, part. Was, that was kind of impressive, like... It, that happened at the morning skate, and all of a sudden the guy steps on the ice and is just getting booed mercilessly. I mean, what he said was not that egregious. And I think if you sort of want to extrapolate it out, people can make a a uh, a case that there might have been some friction there. I just looked at it as a player on game day being asked about a guy who no longer works there and is like, yeah, I'm good. Like, let's talk about something else. Hmm. Hmm. How long does Baruby stick around before he gets a job? 
I think there's a couple guys ahead of him in the pecking order, Jay Woodcroft and Dean Evason. But I'd imagine that whoever decides to make a coaching change at some point, given the success that Craig Berube had in, in St. Louis, not just winning the Stanley Cup, but really with what he was able to make of that roster the last few years when it really wasn't great, that to me is the real testament and hallmark of, of his resume that really rings through to me. I know you had a chance to talk to Doug Armstrong about a month ago. This is a team that has uh-huh. all their picks. They have a few players that are going to be UFAs. What do you see them doing as we get you know into the new year? Because I, I like you've mentioned before, I've listened to your chats, Doug Armstrong doesn't necessarily believe this is a playoff team is currently constructed. Yeah, and that, that to me was the most surprising part of the coaching change, which is he, he full-on acknowledged that they're not trying to compete right now. And yet when Craig Ruby was fired, the team was one point out of a playoff spot. And that part, to me, I was like, huh, the timing of it is interesting. But I, I think if you were to inject some truth serum into Doug Armstrong, what he'd probably tell you is that I don't think Craig Berube was ever really his guy. They won a Stanley Cup really? together. He was the interim coach. And I personally, it feels to me like he was looking for the first window to make a move. And after all this time, there was never really a reason to make a change, except for now when you play down to your competition, lose the bad teams, have a four-game losing streak, and really this is the first juncture in his tenure that you were like, I'm not seeing things that I like. I don't like the way this team competes. I don't like the way they work. And I've asked you to put Jacob Verana in the lineup. You haven't done it. I I think all those things kind of just boiled over at once. And now Doug Armstrong views this as an opportunity to get a fresh start with a new coach that probably thinks more along the same lines as him. Uh, we, we talked about uh, the Baruby firing uh, this week, and I floated a couple teams out there that, to me, makes a ton of sense. I want to get your opinion on it. I know Mike Sullivan is still the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but obviously if things keep going south for there, there potentially could be a change, especially with Kyle Dubas as a general manager. So here are the two teams I think Craig Baruby would fit in like a glove. Number one, the Ottawa Senators. Number two, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Your thoughts? Um... I, I mean, I could maybe see the Sens. I don't see the Penguins at all. And first off, I don't see the Penguins straying from Mike Sullivan in the slightest. Okay. Like, when Kyle Dubas was out there this week, or last week, saying he, he gave Mike Sullivan the vote of confidence, like, mm. that's not just, like, that's not fluff. That's not him saying, oh, you know, we, we like this guy. I don't. I personally do not believe that Kyle Dubas has the autonomy to fire Mike Sullivan, even if he wanted to. Really? And the reason for that is wow. Yeah, because Mike Sullivan got his extension with the Pittsburgh Penguins directly from ownership. Meaning Ron Hextall, who was GM at the time, did not negotiate that extension. That was done directly with Fenway Sports Group, Boston guy making a deal with Boston-based owners. He's got their ear. He's got their trust. They think he's one of the very best coaches in the NHL. And by the way, hard to argue with that. And that that rubbed Ron Hextall the wrong way. Like, no doubt. And so Kyle Dubas inherits him, 
the extension hasn't even kicked in. There's no way he's going anywhere. I don't know. And I don't know about you. I don't know. It, it makes no sense for him to go anywhere. Hmm. Does anyone look at that the way that roster is constructed and say, you know what? Mike Sullivan is a bad coach. I don't. Yeah, but all, all the bad coaches get the good coaches yeah. get fired all the time. It's just the, the way it is in the league and Shelf gotta have a change, blah, blah, blah. But again, I, I think that's fascinating that you say Kyle Dubas potentially doesn't have uh, the ability to fire him. But what about in Ottawa? Obviously, uh, the players like DJ Smith, they brought in Jacques Martin. Would Craig Berube to the Senators kind of make a lot of sense? I mean, it could. I I I would I would think that someone like Dean Evason or or Jay Woodcroft would get a crack before them, before him. I mean, also think of the, and not to say that it was, it's a long lasting connection, but Steve Steos at some point must have spent some time around Jay Woodcroft while he was in Edmonton, right? I mean, I look at the, the Oilers turnaround now and I say, good on Chris Knobloch. And it's, it's great the success that they've had. And, And I think Paul Coffey has had a big reason to do with how their defense has turned around. During that eight-game winning streak, they only allowed 13 goals. They've really simplified things, and that's been important. But does anyone think Jay Woodcroft is bad at his job or just that Connor McDavid was 126th in scoring, they couldn't get a stop from their goalie, and their power play was horrific? Yeah, that that's not if all, really... If all a... those things happen between, between games 40 and 53... Instead of games one to thirteen, we probably don't even know. Not to say we don't notice, but no one freaks out. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? Pick any team in the NHL, and if you're getting subpar goaltending and your superstars aren't producing, you're going to have a really bad year or a really bad stretch of games, at least. And I think that's what we saw up there. And, and now they've they've flipped it over. I want to ask you about a couple of defensemen that we might see perhaps move. Jacob Zaboral uh, put on waivers by the Bruins, cleared waivers as well, and then. Ethan Bear sounds like he might be heading to the Washington Capitals. What can you tell us about these two young defensemen that uh, we might be seeing with a little bit of movement here? Yeah, young and and kind of not so young at the same time anymore. Yeah, uh, hitting that sort of middle twenties that these guys don't have a pile of games on their resume. They were well thought of at one point, and are now pieces that are floating out there as potentials to move. And Bear is is certainly. Closing in on a deal with the Washington Capitals, expected to be a two-year deal at $2 million. And when it comes to Jacob Zaboral, who, by the way, if you want to have some fun, go back and think about the spot that the Boston Bruins were in with three consecutive picks in the first round in that draft in Florida. Think about who they ended up with and what could have been. It's actually a really fun exercise. Um but when it comes to Zaboro, one of those picks, he, he's been playing in the minors. Uh, they are open to moving him. He wants a fresh start. And I think sort of the pitch from Zaboro to the Bruins was, hey, just just put me on wait. Like, they didn't need to. They didn't need to put him on waivers. They could have called him back up because there are no more reentry waivers. They did him a favor. And they said, okay, if, if you think you're so much better and if you think you're going to get all this opportunity – just someone will come in and claim you for free then if that's the case. And and that didn't happen, so I think they're back to square one. Can you tell us about Noah Dobson and where he deserves to be in the Norris conversation right now? Ooh. What a year. I mean, 
when you look at him keeping pace with Matt Barzell for the team scoring lead, a team that has kind of come back to life, also one that um, when you look at their record and how few regulation losses they have right up there with the New York Rangers, like for a stretch of time this year and, and certainly the, the inconsistent nature that the Islanders have played blowing a lot of third period leads um, like they have so many stats that are disparate that go up against each other. They're really good in one area and, and league worst in another that it's been a really hard team to figure out. But when you look at Dobson and his contribution, like I think he's taken some enormous steps in his game. And, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to say that he's someone that is just a, a power play contributor either. And that's the one really you know important thing about Dobson and his game is that he's impacting a lot of different areas for the Islanders. And 29 points north of a point per game on a team that um, – you know, so far to this point with the minutes he's playing, a huge step forward, almost six minutes more than his career average. Um, he's been a huge part of that. Well, and the other crazy thing about him is he signed this year and next at $4 million per. He'll be an RFA after. It was a three-year deal, so it started last season. But part of the reason it was such a short-term deal is because they had all these veterans with big money. They couldn't afford to give him a bigger contract that you would have assumed would have been maybe like an eight, eight and a half now this is a guy who who the who knows what he's going to end up getting after the next couple of years here, getting just four million this season. Yeah, and the best part about that is when the deal was signed, he was still coming off of a monster season. Yeah, right? like look at his last two before this one: forty nine points, fifty one points for a guy that was twenty two and twenty three years old. Like those are really important years. But just to size up the overall Norris race, like I as good as he's been, like mm -hmm. he's probably still pretty far down the ballot. That's, that's the crazy part about how good some of these guys have been this year. I mean, like McCarr has been unreal. Hughes. Quinn Hughes is yeah. there. Like there's so many guys that are really having great years that for me to, to factor in Dobson, like he's probably somewhere like, like fifth or so in my ballot fourth. Frank, who, who's your dark horse? right now to win the Stanley Cup? Is the answer the LA Kings, or is that the correct answer? Mm. Hmm. I guess it depends on what you consider dark horse. Like, if if, if someone were to... Like, would you agree that... Are, are the Dallas Stars in the favorite category? Or are I, they I would horse? say so. Yeah, I would say your favorites would probably be like your division leaders. Avs, Stars, Golden Knights in the West. Yep. Right, Bruins, Rangers, Leafs, Rangers. Well, pretty pretty wide open in the East, I guess. Yeah. Then my dark horse would be the Panthers. Then <laughs> okay. I love the way that team's played this year. I know they got to the final last year, but that offense has been ridiculous. And Sergei Bobrovsky's held up his end of the bargain. So is the rest of that defense core. After that goal last Montour night, though, Frank was shocking. <laughs> That goal last night, Bobrovsky last night, just shocking. Yeah, but like, look, I know he's not worth ten million bucks, yeah, and he's not even close. But like, all what he's given the Panthers this year, yeah, has yeah. been really all that you can ask. That's all you want from a goalie now. It's like just don't, just don't be an abject disaster. Nine oh seven, sure. Anthony Stolarz as the backup, nine fifteen, fantastic. Not. 
We've got a team save percentage of 909. That, I'm, I'm down with that. I am. I know that sounds crazy to say, but in today's NHL where the league average save percentage is 899, the Panthers are in the top 10, buddy. I like it. Um, Panthers, Kings, Stanley Cup final. There you go, Frank. Ooh. Uh, that would be a very warm and, and sunny and likely <laughs> yep. for me, very sweaty Stanley Cup final. Yeah, that's uh, great stuff. Uh, Frank, always a pleasure. I, I don't. I just don't. I'm not built for the heat. I'm just not. Yeah, it's fair. I listen. I run hot all the time yeah, too. Yeah, it's true. I run hot. It's just the I, way it is. I almost, I almost died in that 2018 <laughs> Cup final with the Golden Knights. I'm not. I'm not kidding. They set the Vegas record for heat. It was 117 Fahrenheit. It's dry though, Frank. I, that's I was, my favorite. I, 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 yeah, dry. but my suit wasn't, and I was yeah. guzzling water, and it just it it didn't matter. I had a perpetual headache, and I I, I couldn't even booze because I just yeah. it, it was just compounding the problem. You get to just yeah. stay in those air conditioned casinos. That's what I would do. Oh, even just the walk from the bus to the rink, I just I couldn't hack it. Yeah. They also Some tell me here. Some people just weren't cut out for life on the road. Uh, the winter's a dry cold when it's minus 30 uh, Celsius. I'm like, no, that's still minus 30. It's still really, really cold. Yeah, but it's a dry cold. It's a dry cold. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. All right, Frank. I enjoyed our chat today. Good luck to your Have Eagles weekend, on Monday guys. night. Thanks. I'll talk to you next week. All right. There he goes. I like when sometimes we end the interview awkwardly like that. I like yeah. When it's like, oh, yeah. Is it over? Is he going to over? Is uh, he going to say? Does something? he have another point? Oh, is he going to say? Does he something? have a joke? Oh, is he going to? Oh. Does he have a? Uh, uh, there's Frank Cervalli brought to you by South Trail Exports with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Straight ahead, mm-hmm. Big Show Flames analyst Mr. Brent Cron in studio break down the Flames three-two shootout loss. <laughs> to the Minnesota Wild last night to wrap up their three-game road trip. We're going to ask the Cobra about the Scorpion save. <laughs> We're also taking your text messages at 960-960, day 10 of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. We're asking you, we need a nuclear hot Flames take because we're playing Flames hot seat at 8.30. And if we pick your nuclear hot Flames take, we'll, you'll get to open the on-air advent calendar. We're going to do that in about 25 minutes. Gotta so get save. those nuclear hot Flames takes in we're getting into the back half of the calendar here yep and that means the prizes like i don't know for sure but i can tell you that the doors are getting bigger yeah the next two like uh, the doors on the on the on the, oh. on the thing that we've created in here heavier today and to, today and <sighs> monday yeah ahead of the everything yeah oh yeah, and again wait till we give away all 12 days yeah, all 12. you're really gonna have to earn that one. oh yeah all right it's all straight ahead. The Cobes Cobra has landed. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.